Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Elon MBA show. I'm Jack Brahensky. I am a freshman from Lynchburg, Virginia. I'm super excited to be doing this show. Um, we're just going to, I'm just going to talk about all things MBA, whether it's transactions, trades, on court, off court, rumors, etc. the whole nine. I'm very excited. Um, yeah, we'll just get right into it. A little bit of background. I am from Lynchburg, Virginia. I went to Virginia Episcopal School there and super interested in anything and all things MBA and really excited to see where this podcast goes. But yeah, I'm just going to get right into it today. Um, I was just going to be talking, ranking the Eastern Conference and evaluating those teams and we'll just get right into it now. Uh, So my first tier of teams, I have the legit contenders and that consists of one reigning champion, Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, finals MVP, two-time MVP. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about them. I mean, they figured out so many different things throughout this playoff run. Giannis became way more adept with just everything. He figured out how to see the game differently. Uh, he, The Giannis wall, it's not an issue anymore. Like the 2019 Raptors and 2020 Heat really really gave him issues with uh he wasn't just winding up and going full head of steam into the paint and not knowing what to do he was so much more controlled in all of his actions and it was it's beautiful basketball to watch um and i think one of the things that we can really take away from that is each round of the 2021 playoffs Giannis just got more and more confident and um what he did, I mean, that little stand-in uh, push and hook shot, and uh, he even now when he winds up with that full head of steam and goes downhill, I mean, you just can't stop that guy. I mean, and he has a confidence factor that's unlike anything else. I mean, he cares about just about more than basketball than I would say any player I've ever watched because it's it's his like bread and butter. I mean, he grew up on the streets of Greece. Mir and Fader's new book covered this quite well but it was just awful i mean people were just saying racist things to him every day he was malnourished um he really just had a lot to gain uh through basketball and it was his way out and um his give a crap factor is just so high compared to other people and um yeah i mean he it looked like he was about to pass out during some games in that Brooklyn series. I mean, he was hyperventilating. He was on his knees and buttonholes was like, Hey, you want to come out? And he's like, no, no, I'm good. Like I got this, like this, this is my moment. This is, this is what I'm built for. And, you know, I think a lot of people will go and say, Hey, Brooklyn really suffered a lot of injuries. Obviously Harden was out with the hamstring and then he came back and then it was like, not the James Harden we all knew. And then Kyrie, obviously, he twisted his ankle in uh, game three, game four, I want to say. And um, it was really just Durant on his own doing Durant things that he almost beat them. And he was about an inch away from beating them. But, I mean, Giannis's game just evolved so much. I mean, the the defense that we saw, like, I mean, he's always been an elite defender. But uh, when he was getting out on switches with Booker and Paul, I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, he, he was locking them up. And he wasn't letting them get in the lane. He wasn't letting... Paul get to that little 13, 14, uh, elbow jumper that he loves and Booker, he just totally cut off his water. And, um, I mean, yeah, it's just really remarkable how good of a player Giannis has become. And I'm really excited to see, uh, his game only get better because he's only 26 years old and he has so much more potential. I mean, just, just the fact that he was making those free throws is just super impressive. I mean, because he, he's literally unstoppable once he starts making the free throws. I mean, he, it doesn't it doesn't get much more exhilarating to watch than that. I mean, he has just become one of the league's greatest stars, and he still has a lot more room to grow. Now, Middleton and Holiday, um, they gained a lot from the Olympic experience in Tokyo this summer. I would say Holiday more so than Middleton, and uh, I mean Holiday, like he had some bummer offensive games throughout that playoffs with the Bucks, but I mean he was the second most important player on that team USA team. I mean he was better than Damian Lillard in international basketball. And I think there's something to be said for that. Obviously Holiday is not better than Lillard in real life, but I think there's definitely something you can say. Uh 
And Middleton, I think people's opinions have greatly elevated of his because he has become a closer. I can trust that guy in closing time. So now that Middleton is, they've got that core three and they've got him locked up and they paid Giannis, they paid Middleton, they they saw, they they sacrificed a lot of these draft picks to get Drew. And I really like the direction they're headed in because I think they got better this offseason because here is a question that I have for the collective good. Was P.J. Tucker actually good? So I love that P.J. Tucker, we consider him a defensive stopper. We consider him a bulldog on the on the defensive end. Uh, he was a net negative on offense. He, he could not make a corner three if he was wide open. It was literally four versus six on some of those trips that the Bucs had down the floor. With that being said, he did an incredible job of roughing Durant up. Uh, that's kind of PJ Tucker's game is he's a physical defender. Who's going to rough you up. He's not going to be able to contest guys like Durant. And it's going to be interesting to watch the opposite side of that this year, which he's going to be defending Giannis. But I would think him and bam on the heat, but who is guarding Kevin Durant in a playoff series now? Is it Chris? Chris is a, he's a big dude, but I don't think he's going to, I mean, there's nobody that can guard Durant. Does Holiday? Do you put Holiday on Durant? I mean, Giannis, I would say, like, maybe your best bet is Giannis. I mean, the versatility that he showed and presented during the playoffs this year when he was just going toe-to-toe with Booker and Paul and he was getting out on switches, I mean, if you can defend those guys, why can't you defend Kevin Durant? I would love to see something like that. And, yeah, I – now – the Bucks, just a couple notable other things. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, obviously, he'll be coming back. Uh, just he's a point guard. I mean, he'll do. He'll fill in the, some roles nicely. Um, obviously, the loss of PJ Tucker. They brought in Grayson Allen from Memphis. Who, he, Grayson Allen is actually quite good for all the grief he gets um, about the tripping people and whatnot. He has become a reliable. Uh, he's a good offensive threat. I mean, he's going to shoot threes. I mean. He, he sure as heck is going to be able to shoot more threes than P.J. Tucker could. But, um, yeah. So, the next people in the legit title contenders, it's the Nets. So, I think it's fair to say that the title was a wrap if Durant, Irvin, and Harden are all healthy. I mean, it was almost a wrap with just Durant healthy. So, now that we've gotten past the offseason and we've, we've moved into training cre- training camp, um, we have learned over the past year that past year and a half, rather, however long that the Nets have been together, that it is a constant soap opera. So the Kyrie Irving vaccine debate, um, it's a personal decision until it's not a personal decision. And what I mean by that is that a guy like Steve Nash, whose son has asthma, um, it's a personal decision for Kyrie until he's endangering uh, the families of those others who are around him. And I mean, we saw Wiggins succumb to the pressure and got vaccinated. Um, it's just for the best with these guys. I mean, it's, it's just about the lives of other people. And it's, it's really, it's really an interesting topic and a guy like Kyrie, he can afford to not make the money. Um, but he just has influence over so many people that uh, maybe have been on the fence about getting the vaccine that it's just really, it's a shame that these guys uh, aren't using their platforms to talk about the vaccine more and how that you should be pro vaccine. Uh, because I mean, it just endangers the lives of other people, but uh, yeah, even without Kyrie, I still think that their title favorites, um, without him because if you have James Harden and Kevin Durant, two of the top eight players in the league or top 10 players, however you see it, you're going to be a juggernaut no matter what. Um, and the craziest thing about this all is they may be the deepest team and who they also may have the most star power, which is very rare to see. So Kyrie's out indefinitely for home games, Knicks games, Warriors games. Uh, he said if he was traded from Brooklyn, he said he would just straight up retire. And to be quite honest at this point, I, I, I wouldn't put it past him to just retire. I mean, he's just that type of guy. But uh, my question is, is, he's, is he going to show up when it counts? Uh, I mean, maybe he loses a little bit of money. He doesn't come to training camp. But 
I would think in the end, he's going to be there when it counts and we will see him in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, whether it is during the beginning of the playoffs or the beginning of the season, but I think it will happen at some point this season. So with Kyrie out, um, you have Patty Mills who you get from San Antonio as a replacement to run the guard or whether you want him to run the six man and you have Bruce Brown coming in the starting lineup or whatever combination you want to do. I mean, Patty Mills is, he's a lethal offensive threat. And I mean, he obviously, he got that Olympic experience. I mean, we joke that FIBA Patty is just a different breed. Um, He has just so much knowledge that he's gained from his years on the Spurs with Popovich. And I mean, some of the great players of all time, like Duncan and Ginobili and Kawhi and, yeah, Patty Mills is going to be awesome, whether he's in a six-man role or he's in a starting role or if Harden's going to miss some games or Durant's going to miss some games, he's going to be scintillating to watch because, uh, man, he can shoot the heck out of the ball. And one of their young draft picks, I mean, is looking legit as well, Cam Thomas out of LSU. So I was looking into this, and Cam Thomas, he is the Oak Hill all-time leading scorer. That is just insane because of just the stacked like list of names that have been at Oak Hill. You just got guys like, just to name a couple, Rod Strickland, Jerry Stackhouse, Ben McElmore, Raj and Rondo, Kamarla Anthony, and Kevin Durant. I mean, the fact that this guy scored more than all those guys, I mean, it is ridiculous. And Cam... Cam apparently has a great relationship with Kyrie and they've really bonded over uh, the fact that their favorite player is both Kobe Bryant and they text about basketball all the time is the reporting that was done from training camp last week. But watching him play in summer league and preseason, this guy is the real deal. I mean, he can shoot from anywhere. I mean, like his passing maybe needs some help, but when the Nets are inevitably missing guys just because of Harden's, you know, I'm expecting he's going to miss a couple games. You want to rest Durant a little bit, but you're going to be able to have a just a young guy like Cam Thomas step in immediately and have a big role. And, you know, he's a guy that could fill it up and he can win you a couple games, and if not more than that. And obviously, LaMarcus Aldrich, uh, very excited to see him back uh, after that scare, the heart scare he had back in March, I want to say, after he got bought out and went to there. So it's good to see him back on the nets. I'm sure he'll fill in for center along along with Blake Griffin. Durant, right now, I would say, is uh, the best player in the league. Uh, I mean, heck, he was an inch away from beating the Bucs, which is just impressive in itself. I mean, he literally, like, that foot was, that foot was, I mean, we could be saying, like, Mike Buddenholzer's job was gone now because Kevin Durant made that shot. I mean, if it would be insane if he made that shot, but... Uh, he's still the best player in the league and it's one a and one B him and Giannis. And I think that's pretty unanimously upon an agreed, an agreed statement, but he's, he's insane. And I mean, even in the Olympics right after just a long tumultuous playoff run, he said, I'm the best player in the world. And he put the USA on his back when a lot of other guys really weren't able to contribute just because of the weird way that FIBA's differs from uh, just the regular NBA play. And obviously they lost Jeff Green. Uh, he was a good 3 and D player. I mean, there was one game in the playoffs. I mean, I think he had like 27 points for them. I mean, Jeff Green was good and he'll do really great on the Nuggets, but the Nets just have enough guys that it. I think they, they've got to be considered some of the heavy favorites still because, I mean, you still got Joe Harris, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, and you still got, I mean, you got Patty Mills, you got James Harden, you got Kevin Durant, you got Bruce Brown, uh, whose floater game has been awesome. Uh, you, you got LaMarcus Aldridge, you got the rein, reinvigorated Blake Griffin, um, who was, you know, he was doing a heck of a job on Giannis at, at defense until he wasn't. But yeah, so moving on now, now we have the teams in the home court advantage spot or they're the out of the play in teams. I have the I have the Celtics. So they have a lot of good pieces. 
I think they have good enough pieces that they could be a top three seed in the East. Now, the key to them taking that jump is if Robert Williams, a.k.a. Time Lord, can protect his body because there are moments where Time Lord just, he's so unaware of his own abilities that he'll jump so high on an offensive rebound, he'll try crashing the glass, he'll try blocking a shot, and he'll end up in like the stanchion and uh, he, he just hurts himself and then he'll be out for three weeks and it's the Celtics just can't have that because they can't afford for Horford to be playing all their minutes at center because we saw that a, a couple years ago and it was not pretty to watch. Um, so, I mean, but then there's times where like Robert Williams looks like prime DeAndre Jordan from Lob City and I would really love to see him take a step because I think a lot of Celtics fans out there think he could. So Josh Richardson, uh, obviously Dallas got rid of him when they figured out he couldn't really shoot. We kind of knew that when he was in Philly, but we thought maybe he can find what he's in Miami when he was in Miami, when he was averaging about 17 points a game. So many are wondering, Hey, was this fool's gold? I mean, he couldn't find himself in Dallas or Philly and it's just, I don't think it's going to be any different because he was playing with a ball dominant guy like Luca in uh, Dallas. And then obviously, I mean, the Sixers had spacing issues of their own in that bubble season, but I just don't know if he's going to find what he had in Miami because he's playing next to another ball dominant guy like Jason Tatum. So, I mean, maybe he finds what he did in Miami. I'd love to see him do it, but I, I still have hesitations about it. Dennis Schroeder. So obviously we all know the story. He's offered four years, $81 million extension. He turned it down. Reports said he thought he was worth $120, $130 million, and many of us said, you're crazy for that. But, uh, yeah, so I would wonder, is Dennis Schroeder going to end up as a six-man or is he going to end up as a starter? Because it's, it's very odd to think what the Celtics rotation is going to look like. Do you put Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown – Al Horford, Robert Williams is a starting lineup, or do you go a little smaller and go Schroeder, Smart, Brown, Tatum, uh, Williams, or there's a plethora of combinations you could do, but I'm really going to be interested to see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, Smart got extended this offseason. Horford's back. Uh, I don't know what the opinion is on Al Horford these days, but the Thunder basically played him not to paid him not to play last year. And another thing that I find fascinating is Brown and Tatum are kind of considered afterthoughts at this point because they're so good. Like these guys, they take a leap every single season. Tatum could jump into the top 10 conversation this year because Kawhi is out. And I mean, there, there's a lot of good players in the league, but Jason Tatum sure as heck could become one of them. Now, Jalen Brown, this is what he said in the off season. And there's, there's some reporting was going around, but can he take a defensive leap? He has taken a leap every single year since he was drafted. Now, one of the things that he needs to improve upon is his defense. He was caught watching off the ball quite frequently last season, and he get confused with switches all the time. And that's one of the things he's worked on this offseason, and he thinks he's taken many strides in it. So I'm going to be absolutely thrilled if Jalen Brown takes another leap. If he could make his second all-star game in a row, that would be awesome because I'm one of the biggest Jalen Brown fans out there. Now the Hawks, the Hawks are in a good position because of how deep and versatile that roster is. Now, eventually they're going to have to decide who and who not to pay, but they have so much talent just loaded from top to bottom on that roster, even to like the 10th or 11th man. You say, geez, Louise, like these guys are deep. I mean, you got, and you know, you got Trey, you got Collins, you got DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Gallo Bogdanovich, Sharif Cooper, Jalen Johnson, uh, Clint Capella, Onyeka Okongwu. I mean, the list goes on and on, and it's 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 awesome. I mean, it's so much fun because they're a young team. Uh, they just have they give off lots of good vibes. Like they they like playing with each other, and there's nothing better than having a team like that. And I mean, Trey like Trey gives off these young Steve Nash like Peja Stojakovic vibes and. He's so controlled in every decision that he makes. I mean, he was so meticulous in his actions in that Milwaukee series and that Philadelphia series. And I mean, my goodness, I mean, he shut out New York in five games without DeAndre Hunter for most of it. And that's that's something special, losing your best defensive player and then just saying, no, I got this. I got this, guys. Give me the keys to the car. 
And you, John Collins, I mean, we they had that little debacle last year in the locker room where Trey and Collins were at each other's throat at the beginning of the season. But now that they're winning, uh, things seem to be in a better position because everybody knows that winning in the NBA solves most of your problems on the court or off the court, whether it's chemistry or whatever. And like I said, DeAndre Hunter, I mean, he was out for uh, – like game three on of the playoffs against New York. And the fact that this Hawks squad still made it to a Eastern conference finals and took the eventual champions to six games. That's impressive. And I mean, Hunter, his offensive leaps that he took last year were really impressive. And I'm going to be really excited to see him back this year. Cam Reddish, he ended on a high note. We all remember that uh, 25 points that he scored in that Milwaukee closeout game. Uh, I mean, I would think once it times it comes time to pay these guys, they're probably going to choose Hunter over um, Reddish just because of the defensive versatility. But uh, as it stands now, I mean, they've still got a lot of depth. I mean, you got guys like Kevin Herter who shut out Philly in that game seven, essentially. Uh, you got Gallo and Bogdanovich. I Part of me wonders what their role is going to be uh, going into this season, if they're going to go for developing these young wings a little more. Bogdanovich obviously was a much better player than Gallinari was this season, but they still can be reliable guys. Um, They're probably going to have to move off their contracts next season if they want to keep these young guys or they're just going to have to pay them a little more. And Sharif Cooper, they're two draft picks that they got. Um, Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson, they're both looking like, real real nba caliber talent i mean cooper's looked like a reliable backup guard in the off or in the preseason and then and uh and in the summer league games jalen johnson i mean his wing versatility is really special i mean just him creating on the perimeter is going to be something super awesome to watch i'm really really excited to watch that uh, because he's just so he just has so much skill to his game, and I know he got flack for leaving Duke a couple weeks early, and I was definitely part of the crowd. But man, he he can do some interesting stuff. And if the Hawks ever are like, hey, we want to move off of John Collins, I mean, I feel like you can slide Jalen Johnson into that spot, and he fits perfectly there. I mean, obviously the the jumper isn't quite as refined as Collins is, but I think he can get there because uh, this kid this kid is going to be good. And then there's one last team in this category, um, the Heat. So they're not a super deep team, but there's still a lot to like about them. So you figure their top nine is Butler, Lowry, Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, P.J. Tucker, Tyler Hero, Markeith Morris, Victor Oladipo, who's become pretty much an afterthought at this point. And if you still remember, he's still in the league, Dwayne Dedman. So one of the things that I thought kind of when the Lowry stuff was going around is how much Lowry, how much better is Lowry than Goran Dragic at this point in his career? Now, I, we haven't seen Lowry in a rather like good situation since the 2020 NBA bubble. But when, you know, he took the Celtics to seven games and OG Ananobi made that incredible shot that saved them when they were down, about to go down 3-0. And they took the games to seven series, but you still have to think, like Lowry, he obviously brings it on defense, but what much more is he going to give the heat that they didn't already have? I'm not saying it's not going to work, but I'm saying that Lowry is a 35 year old, uh, NBA player. Uh, he's on the end of his career more or less. And I, I still have questions about the other guys. I still wonder about if PJ Tucker is actually good. Now, it's going to be kind of cool to see P.J. Tucker guarding Giannis after he did all the work with Durant because I assume that's what they'd do or they put Bam on him or they put Butler on him, one of the three. Because I guess the argument to be made for Miami is sometimes the offense is going to be hard for them to come by, uh, but they're going to be able to grind it out on defense because when you have a lineup, it's going to consist of Butler, Lowry, Adebayo, Tucker, and uh, Robinson, because Duncan Robinson, people don't give him enough credit, but he has actually learned to do a lot more on defense since he's uh, since he's been embedded in that Heat culture. So uh, Jimmy Butler, he was All NBA third team last year. 
Uh, we all remember his bubble run, uh, you know, 40 points in that game five. Uh, they were down 3-2. Ultimately, they lost 4-2 but to the Los Angeles Lakers. But, yeah, uh, Bam has taken a leap every single year that he's been in the league. And I, I think he can take another leap this year. I think he has – Bam has always had potential to be a defensive player of the year, but I think this could be the year that we see some of this in it unless they give it to Rudy Gobert for the 18th straight time. But who knows? Uh, Hero, he's obviously looking to bounce back. He hadn't uh, – rather abysmal year last season after he was a supernova in the bubble and yeah i robinson they signed him for five years 90 million i think that's a good contract uh, especially now because you have to pay the guys that you want to keep in the nba you want to pay the guys because duncan robinson is a starter on pretty much every other nba team and you had to do it um it's a rather hefty price but shooting costs a premium we saw joe harris get uh, four for 72, if I'm not mistaken. So, so these are the teams that are in the play-in or just above the plan. So this has been an ongoing saga for the past, uh, since, since the Sixers were eliminated, but Ben Simmons, it continues. So it was actually just reported today. Um, I got to go through it all, but Discussions have gained momentum on all-star Ben Simmons returning to the Philadelphia 76ers likely as soon as this week, sources told ESPN on Monday. Philadelphia management and coach Doc Rivers progressed in talks over the weekend with Simmons agent Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul on a resolution for Simmons to report to the team, sources said. Simmons could soon speak with team officials, something that he hasn't done directly since a late August meeting in Los Angeles when he reiterated his desire to be traded, sources told ESPN. He has become more open to the possibility of ending his time away from the team and reporting to Philadelphia, sources said. The Sixers have canvassed the league throughout the offseason for trades but have been unable to find a deal that would bring them back the kind of comparable star they'd want to continue to build a championship contender around all-NBA center Joel Embiid, sources said. Those trade talks would would likely continue with Simmons' return, but Sixers president Daryl Morey and Rivers are hopeful to continue working to convince Simmons on remaining long-term with the franchise, sources said. So this is cool and all, but what you can't fix is what Joel Embiid has said. What you can't fix is what Doc Rivers has said. What Doc Rivers said, uh, we both we all know what it was. They said, he was asked, is Ben Simmons a championship caliber point guard? He said, I don't know the answer to that at this time. Joel Embiid said, uh, we've always put the ball in Ben's hand. Uh, That's why we got rid of Jimmy, Uh, which, I mean, Embiid's a candid guy, but I'm not sure if that's why, uh, because it sounded like Jimmy was going to Miami no matter what. But even though they didn't want to re-up his contract, and then they said that's why we got Al too. You just can't fix what has been said. And how Simmons has held out. He hasn't reported training camp when all these other guys who are just like they're they're working their hearts out. This guy is just he thinks that he just doesn't have to show up because he wants to trade and that's that's what he deserves. So and we we've been through the same thing for the past what four off seasons now. Uh, we see Instagram videos of Ben Simmons draining threes in some gym in like New York or LA with all the other clutch guys. And it's the same thing every other off season. Once we get to the real season, he can't make a three. And then we say, why can't you do the one thing that we ask you to do? And I mean, some people say it's legit. Jaron Jackson Jr. says it's legit. So we don't know, but it, we, we know that. Ben Simmons isn't going to be coming out blazing with threes, but I mean, he's held out of preseason and he hasn't played in a single game yet. I mean, and the thing about the Sixers is they don't have a guard without Simmons. I mean, I love Seth Curry as much as the next guy, but Seth Curry is a shooting guard. He's not a point guard. He's not going to be able to initiate the offense for you. Shake Milton is a heat check guy. He's not going to do that for you. I like Maxi. Maxi could come into his own this season if Simmons isn't there for a while. But Maxi is not a guy who's going to be able to facilitate like Ben Simmons can, or like another guy like a Damian Lillard level player, or a Bradley Beal level player, or a CJ McCollum level player could. So apparently, Sham Sharania of the Athletic reported this on 
Friday, but the Sixers asked for CJ McCollum, three firsts, three pick swaps, and the Blazers obviously declined. Indiana declined a Brogdon trade package, which consisted of Brogdon and Karis LeVert and a pick. So this is what we know about Daryl Morey, is he's going to be meticulous, and he's not going to settle for 50 cents on the dollar no matter what. He's going to wait for a Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal-level star to become available from what all reports have indicated. So, And then you look at the Sixers and you still think, hey, we really have not had any like off-season additions. Like Andre Drummond, uh, they're trying to take it back to the 80s or 70s with him and have two big men out at the same time. That's, that's a little confusing to me. Uh, I mean, he kind of just plays the role that Dwight will that Dwight did rather last season, uh, which was you just go and hack whenever you're out there and you get put on the line and you brick your free throws. I mean, they're essentially the same player. So, and I like George Niang, but you know, he doesn't exactly move the needle for me. I mean, I mean, he's going to play maybe like 10, 15 minutes in a playoff rotation. And then, I mean, that's, there's just so much to wonder about the Sixers because we just don't know what it's going to look like come playoff time. Is Bradley Beal on the team? Is Damian Lillard on the team? Is Ben Simmons still on the team? And obviously what Simmons wants uh, is to play for one of the three California teams is what he said, even though there are four California teams. I'm guessing that the one that he neglected to mention was probably the Sacramento Kings. And he was probably talking about the Warriors, Clippers, or Lakers. But yeah, and then the one other thing that I would just, I'm not reporting, I'm not sourcing anything, but part of me thinks that there's this clutch thing going on with Maxi. So obviously Simmons still has four years left on his contract of $90 million, and Maxi becomes the clutch point guard in Philly if Simmons happens to go elsewhere until he gets his contract situated because you know that clutch takes good care of their guys they may have a bad rap but they take good care of their guys so that's what part of me thinks clutch is really trying to be aggressive in getting simmons out of philadelphia now i put them in this tier because i would put them in the in the tier above with the hawks celtics and heat but we just don't know what they're going to get back for simmons and even with Simmons, we don't know how the team's going to look because I think the chemistry is just going to have real issues because Embiid is an emotional guy who's going to remember stuff like that even when he's playing the game. So, yeah. So the Knicks, joke of New York for the longest time, and now they actually have a real deep roster led by Tom Thibodeau. So you get to the 11th guy on this roster, and they have real depth. I mean, they Proved three-point shooting, but I still worry about shot creation when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, you go you go up and down. I mean, I'm just going to name them off. You got Julius Randle, Derrick Rose, Evan Fournier, R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson, Kemba Walker, and Alec Burks. I mean, those are all, like, solid guys. I mean, and Taj Gibson, I even left him out. I mean, those are all, like, really good players or pretty decent players. And you, get, you got Kemba at two years and $8 million per year, and that's a good contract, but – Part of me, I still don't trust him all that much because he's had that bum knee ever since the 2019 All-Star game. And he just he hasn't been able to get to the rim and he hasn't been able to blow by teams the same as before back in 19. I mean, in every team strategy last year when he was on the floor for the Celtics was to hunt him defensively when he was on the court and he just could not make a shot to save his life. So I think the, like, I think it's just underrated how early on the list the Knicks are because I, I think they, they just have, I mean, Julius Randle was obviously most improved player last year and made the all-star game. RJ Barrett looked great. Um, his offensive leap was very noticeable. Uh, I mean, you, you wonder what you can get out of Kemba, whatever you can, uh, you get it. Uh, I want to see more Mitchell Robinson. I want to see more Emmanuel quickly. Uh, Fournier is a, he's a three point marksman, uh, Obi Toppin, I want to see more from him. I mean, he he really looked good at the end of the season after he looked shaky to start out the gates. And Alec Burks and guys like uh, just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. And 
I mean, Tibbs is always going to be able to grind it out, and he's going to win every game he can because of the defense. And obviously, you know, he's got his guy Derrick Rose there. So, yeah, the Knicks are going to be a good team. Uh, I obviously don't see them as contenders, but I see them as a good, good enough team. So the Hornets. So we all missed the Hornets commentator, Eric Collins, this season. Uh, I don't think one person can tell me they didn't uh, since the playoffs started and they weren't in it. But I think the big question about the Hornets this season is uh, what do they look like without Gordon Hayward? Because it's inevitable at some point this season that Hayward's going to get hurt because there has not been a year in like seven years that Hayward hasn't gotten hurt. So I just looked at some numbers. I pulled them up. Last year, the Hornets were 24-20 and with Hayward, and they were a home court advantage team with him. They were 9-19 and without Hayward last season. They had to hold on to dear life to even make the play-in until they got the piss beat out of them by a depleted Indiana team who was missing Turner. They were missing Warren. I mean, it, it was just embarrassing without Hayward. And they still had guys like Devontae Graham and uh, Malik Monk. And now they're missing those guys. And obviously they replaced them with a couple other people, but the team just isn't going to work without Hayward in that point forward type of role, like popping the ball around. Uh, he just, he kind of, he kind of is what makes the offense like so special. And so you lost guys like Graham and Monk and they could, they could go on a heater for a quarter and they could win you a game or even a whole game. And I have some questions about the center position, Mason Plumley, Nick Richards, Vernon Carey, Kai Jones, uh, Mason Plumlee is probably going to take up the brood of the minutes there. And I, I'd like to see Kai Jones. I mean, if you just put together like a five minute highlight reel of his from like high school and college, you would think he was maybe the greatest player ever. And then you watch him dribble the ball and you're like, maybe not. So uh, if they can stay healthy, I mean, they're going to be the league pass team of the year. And I think that's undebatable. Uh, but it's, it's, it, this team really relies about Gordon Hayward staying healthy and, I'd love to see Book Knight take a leap. That would be great because, man, he he was a special kid at UConn. And you still got Miles Bridges, who's going to be great on defense. You got Terry, who, I mean, he's really just a scoring guard. I mean, he's not going to do a whole lot else for you. I mean, P.J. Washington, he took leaps last season. But I, I, think, I think it's underrated what they're going to miss from Devontae Graham and Malik Monk. Uh, and... One last thing is Kelly Oubre. Um, I mean, they picked him up, but he, he couldn't even play in the rotation for the Warriors playing game against the Grizzlies. And I mean, the threes last year at the beginning of the season, I mean, he, he was shooting like, uh, I want to say like 16% at one point. I mean, I may have to go back and check the numbers, but it was, it was pretty darn low if I remember correctly. So these are the next, this is the next year and these are playing or bus teams. So up first in that tier, we have the Chicago Bulls. So after watching just a few preseason games of theirs, I think it's fair to say that they are going to be a fun, competent team on offense. Now I still have questions about them defensively, but they are going to be a special team on offense because that starting five and then you bring in Caruso off the bench, those guys can score the ball like all heck. Like Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, Nikola Vucevic. Uh, I mean, the list the list just goes on and on. Lonzo Ball. I mean, people were out on Lonzo a year ago this time, and now he is he's looking insane, and his defenses look phenomenal. Uh, I mean, Levine, I think, I think he's another guy along with, uh, Drew Holiday and, um, what's his name and Chris Middleton that took a big leap. I think that Zach Levine was a guy that took a big leap during the Olympics. Um, his defense improved, which has been one of his fatal flaws over the years. Um, he really looked more comfortable out there. Um, and we, if you just look at the plus minuses from this, uh, first preseason game, against the Cavs and granted it was the Cavs but DeRozan plus 38 Vucevic plus 45 Javante Green plus 30 Alonzo Ball plus 39 Zach Levine plus 45 like 
When Levine was on the floor, they were outscoring guys by 45 points. Do you know how ridiculous that is? Like, Zach Levine is going to be a special type of player this year. And when you're bringing a guy like Alex Caruso off the bench as a sixth man, I mean, they're just going to pop the ball around and they're going to be able to score like all hell. And um, even their pickup uh, from the draft this year, Io DeSumnu out of Illinois, uh, homebred kid going back to Chicago, um, he looks great i mean he just had a preseason game last night where he just these two floaters that was kind of his signature thing in college uh he's just floater uh just over taco fall nonetheless who's what like seven foot six seven foot seven and okay that may be exaggerating but what is he seven one seven two uh anyways uh and the the one other question that i i would be wary about is there was that whole thing over the summer where people were really wondering like about this Levine con- contract situation. People were just a little confused about it. So I-, I think at the end of the season, it's coming. And I think Levine knows that it's coming, that he's going to get a big fat contract. So part of me wonders is DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine insurance, because they kind of play like the same role for a team and obviously Levine has become the better player, but it's it's a weird thing to think about. And I think it's just it's something that you should think about as well. And if obviously if the Bulls don't make the playoffs or the play in, uh things are gonna get ugly because they made all these moves in the offseason. They sacrificed a lot of draft capital, they took on all these big contracts, they paid what, DeRozan three years for ninety million, they paid Lonzo for what was it? Four, four for 85. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not going to be pretty if the bulls don't make the playoffs, because I think, I think we can agree. I think that everybody can agree upon the fact that if the bulls fun, like it's going to, if it works, it's either going to work beautifully. And if it doesn't, it's just going to be really ugly. But just from, from the couple preseason games we've seen so far, it looks like it's going to work. So, the next team is the Washington Wizards. So I don't think people really know what the Wizards are at this point. So Bradley Beal, obviously star of that team. Um, we heard the rumors from Russ once he got uh, traded to the Los Angeles Lakers that he tried to convince Beal to leave, but Beal said, no, like I'm going to stay here. Like DC's my home. They've been so good to me. Uh, but yeah, uh, Beal is still sticking around uh, after he got his contract two years ago. And yeah, it's part of me wonders why he wouldn't have left after Ru- Russ left. And obviously Dinwiddie signed, but Dinwiddie isn't Russell Westbrook. Dinwiddie isn't a player that really like makes you a championship caliber team. And uh, part of me thinks that even Bradley Beal has become maybe overrated because he's the final piece that we add on to teams that put them over the hump, quote unquote. But I mean, Beal, he's a phenomenal player in his own right. Um, this off season, he worked on extending his three point jumper to just in front of Damian Lillard range. And he worked on defense as well. Uh, and like I said about Dinwiddie, uh, Dinwiddie, he isn't exactly the, uh, he's not exactly, he's no, he isn't exactly, he isn't, as good of a player as Russell Westbrook is. However, he is a better fit next to Bradley Beal than Russell Westbrook was, in my opinion, because I think people forget just how good Dan Whitty was when that season Kyrie was out, when it was uh, kind of, and the season before that as well. But man, he was really handling games like a pro, and uh, especially like after Russell left and it was him and Lavert kind of handling the brute of the offense. But I, he can do some special stuff, and he's got... He's got lightning quick speed. He's actually a reliable three-point shooter, unlike Russ. But I, the the thing that's just odd about the Wizards is they just have a weird roster overall. I mean, they have about eight forwards in their back pocket uh, from Rui, Kuzma, Adia, Kispert, then Catavius Codwell-Pope, Davis Bertans, and Anthony Gill. Um, 
yeah, it's it's just an odd roster because I like Daniel Gafford a lot, who they got for nothing when uh, in that Chicago deal, and they had to send something away to get Vucevic last year before the trade deadline. And they got Harold to back him up, who Montrez has always been a uh, good six man to have. I mean, he's a great energy guy. He really he's going to bring it every night. Uh, and at some point, uh, maybe March, maybe February, because they take a lot longer to rehab these ACLs now, maybe not until next season, but I would think it'd be sooner. Uh, but Thomas Bryant's going to be back at some point. So uh, that'll be good to see. But, uh, they have, I guess the long way of saying that is they have a lot of assets now that they can flip for something because a lot of, a lot of good a lot of fringe teams may want some of these young players that they have, like the Isaiah Todds of the world or the Corey Kisperts of the world to build their team around uh, or to add them as pieces. And you could package a lot of those guys together and you could get a really good, really good return value. And I mean, all signs point to Beal is staying around for a while. Uh, I take it he wants to be the focal point of a team that's why he's still here. I take, I, I would, I would guess. Um, I don't really see another reason because Washington just, I, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, there's still a lot of questions about all this stuff. It's, we still got the Ben Simmons. We still got, uh, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, all these guys, CJ McCollum. I mean, Bradley Beal trade rumors have been going on for what, like the past three, four years now. So it'll really be interesting to see what comes of it. Uh, and then the last tier that I'm covering today of the Eastern teams is the frisky teams that'll catch teams off guard or a better way to put that would probably be tanking. So the Pacers, they're in a weird situation now. So they have Karis LeVert and Malcolm Brogdon uh, for Ben Simmons trade rumors and the Sixers were unmoved by it. So, uh, active trading block, uh, for two of your core guys. I don't know how they're going to feel about that. And the thing about that already is, is Levert and Brogdon have conflicting playing styles. I mean, Brogdon is a lot more steady and decisive with the ball. Levert, uh, he can be a bit more wild at times. I think guys like Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell did a kind of a number on his shot selection, maybe for the worst sometimes, because sometimes it's just like effort. I'm shooting the ball, but uh, he he can be a he can be a good player at times. But him and Brogdon just have such a different style of playing. I mean, Sabonis is definitely the type of guy that fits a little better with Brogdon, and then Miles Turner is the guy who fits a little better with Sabonis. So. And TJ, I mean, another one of their core guys has been out. I mean, he played, TJ Warren played four games last year. I mean, the end of this season will be the end of Warren's four-year, $47 million contract. And we just haven't seen it since the bubble. I mean, uh, it was just, I would take it, it's an anomaly, but he just looked so confident in the bubble that maybe it's not. Maybe this is who TJ Warren is now, but I, I would lean more on the side of no this isn't but he averaged 31 points on 52 percent from three and six games in the bubble now the Pacers want to see what a full season of tj warren would look like before giving him a new contract which is totally understandable but guys like him who are more uh wing based type players who can guard guard the ball they can guard they can guard players on the perimeter they can get a bag so I really hope that um you know uh, he had that torn he had plantar fascia in his right foot and he's just been rehabbing it since like I want to say December or November. So I hope we can see Warren back at some point. Uh they're picking the draft uh Chris Duarte out of Oregon. Uh he's kind of a Rick Carlisle type of player. Uh I think everybody like Duarte, uh, he can shoot the ball. He can defend. He kind of fills in that Warren spot, Warren role almost, which is a kind of ideal. Uh, I like, I mean, like I said, there's going to be a lot of dribble handoffs run with Brogdon and Sabonis, like maybe too many to an extent, just because I just see how that's Rick Carlisle is going to run that. Uh, but I mean, the Sabonis Turner thing is interesting because, uh, we just, I just remember those last year when everything was going down. Um, 
someone like lit a fire under Miles Turner last year and they were like once those Celtics trade rumors were going around and I mean heck he looked like a defensive player of the year candidate for about two months there so I mean I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, I feel like Turner Turner was on the trading block for a good bit last year, and then he got hurt, so couldn't move him. Uh, Doug McDermott, obviously still there. Uh, I just I don't really know what they're playing for. Um, they're playing for the plan at best, and I don't even think they'll get there. Um, it just that team is just so odd, but. Rick Carlisle is a great coach, so they could prove me wrong. Uh, there's just a lot of questions that this team have that sometimes not even a great coach can answer. So I think a big question that a lot of people have now is, are the Raptors a tank team or no? Now, the weird thing was that I think a lot of people were just puzzled by was Scotty Barnes was picked number fourth uh, over Jalen Suggs. Scotty out of Florida State, Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. Scotty's a power forward type of player, very similar in his role to what Pascal Siakam does. And Suggs was a guy who was almost, I mean, you could, there's a lot of shades of Kyle Lowry in him because, I mean, just energetic guy, brings it on defense. Uh, he, he'd struggled with shooting the three, but he was getting there. I mean, he would. He had good free throw numbers, so you know it was going to get better at some point. But I guess the thing is, I mean, I still trust Masai Jerry because uh, I can't say in the time that he's been the GM of the Raptors organization that uh, he has really made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, getting Kawhi, somehow getting Kawhi and Danny Green for DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Porto, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good pickup. Uh, and then winning the title outright, Developing a guy from the G League from out of Wichita State like Fred Van Vliet, a guy like Pascal Siakam, who you picked in the second round. And I mean, you just have all these gems. You got OG Ananobi. Um, you got you you got you got Freddie Gillespie out of Baylor. I mean, a guy who like people liked him in college, but he's become a real player for the Raptors. And I, I still trust I, I still have trust in Masai Jerry. But I guess the thing is, I mean I love Fred Van Vliet, but him running this crunch time offense is is gonna. It's I don't think it's gonna be a good look for the Raptors, uh, because I I just it's a lot for him to carry. He's he's more of a two guard than anything else. He's a really good two guard at that. But I, I would have loved to see Suggs kind of slide in and run the point. But I mean that didn't happen. But I still think Barnes could be something special. I mean, and then obviously they got Precious Achua with the Kyle Lowry deal. And then, uh, I mean, Precious, I mean, in preseason, he's looked amazing. I mean, he, he could be this dynamic force, this dynamic five that they start uh, and over like Ken Burch and Freddie Gillespie. And I think he's going to be, he's going to be awesome uh, because people love the pick for Miami. And I mean, he didn't really play because obviously he had to be behind out of bio and Miami was going for win now. But uh, now that, Toronto's in more of this uh, tanking situation, no matter what may come out of the front office, that they're not tanking or that they're trying to win now, but they just, they just don't have the guys. I mean, I would think OG Ananobi is also going to take another leap because he, he he's one of those guys that's take, taken a leap every single year he's been in the league. Uh, Precious, uh, yeah, I mean, and then the, the one last thing you kind of got to think about with the Raptors is, does Goran Dragic get bought out? now possible destinations i would probably say dallas mavericks just because of his relationship with slovenia and you know someone named luka Doncic. you may have heard of him before he is also from slovenia goran Dragic, his brother played on the slovenia national team this summer in the olympics with luka and i think they have a prior relationship established so I would bet my money that that's where he ends up because Dragic is at the tail end of his career and I'm get, he's ring chasing and I don't think he wants to be just someone on a team that's near the bottom of the East. So the Cavaliers, they're a fun team, but the best way to say it is that they are somewhat of, um, they're somewhat of a positional gumbo. <coughs> now, 
they picked up Larry Markkinen in the offseason. They drafted Evan Mobley, who has so much potential. I mean, his defense in the preseason has been ridiculous. I mean, I mean, he his he's just so lanky, and he he can he can shoot the three. He can do just so much of this good stuff on offense. I mean, he his turnaround jumpers like you just look at this and you're like, hang on, maybe there's a little something more to this. And I mean, a guy like Darius Garland. That's that's the slight problem that I think a lot of people have with them is a guy like uh you kind of have this tug of war maybe I don't want to say that but it's between Garland and Sexton and you know for a stretch there they looked like they could make the playoffs last year when they beat uh when Sexton went like supernova and scored like 42 and beat Brooklyn with like uh their big three and double overtime but I mean I think Garland I mean, I remember back in the 2019 draft, I remember people were giving him like like Kyrie comps. Like that they're like, this kid is so talented because obviously nobody really got to see him at Vanderbilt because he only played like I think four or five games. And we really just had his high school tape to go off of. And from everything that I've heard, Garland is more the guy now in Cleveland than Sexton is. Uh whether that's from a fan's perspective or from a manager management perspective, but I mean, Sexton's obviously shown these flashes, but he's just, I mean, the defense isn't there sometimes. The offense is hit or miss, but I think people have really, I think I'm, I'm, I definitely fall on into this category, but people, we've really like kind of lowered our opinion of Colin Sexton over these past couple of years. I mean, this was a guy who in college legit almost beat a team when there was only two other guys on the court because everybody else was ejected or fouled out. Like, because they, they were dancing on the court and like, I mean, he almost, he almost put this team on his back and won a three V five in a collegiate atmosphere in a power five school. I mean that, I mean, he, but he's, he's a good player, but there's, there's a lot there that I don't know. So the over under for their win total is set at 26 and a half. I think I'd hammer that over. I mean, 26 and a half. I mean, I think these guys, these guys are good. I mean, they're obviously playing for the plan at best, but I mean, you still have a, you still have like a, a solid enough roster that you say, I don't think 26 and a half. I don't think they're worth that. I mean, you got Jared Allen still, who I really wish that the roster from Brooklyn was kind of just kept intact because Jared Allen was such a fun player. I mean, best hair in the league outright. Uh, definitely with just the perfect fro. Uh, you, you wonder what Laurie Markkinen will become. You you think uh, the the one last thing about them is that they may be an underrated Ben Simmons destination. So they just have so many pieces that uh, like a Garland or a Sexton would be very appealing to the Sixers, I think, uh, or maybe, and you know, uh, that's why they haven't bought out Kevin Love yet because that contract is a real nice throw in for a trade like that for Ben Simmons, because they're not going to buy him out. They're saying, Hey, Kevin, we're going to play you maybe like eight or 10 minutes a game, but nothing more than that. And you're probably going to be part of a Ben Simmons trade if we can get that, because I think a lot of, I think the Cavs, the Cavs would be very interested in that and acquiring a player like Ben Simmons and putting him next to, uh, I, gosh, that would be a defensive that would be a fun defensive team. And you got Jared Allen, you got Evan Mobley, and maybe you got, oh, and you still got guys like uh, like Isaac Okoro. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. I mean, they have a lot of young talent, but uh, it's it's just not enough to amount to more than a play-in berth at most. Uh, the next team, we got the Pistons. So, Cade Cunningham, I mean, the Pistons have college basketball heavily in their favor. They had Cade Cunningham, uh, they had Luca Garza. I mean, the the two best players by far in college basketball last year. Uh, obviously, besides like maybe like a Jalen Suggs or Drew Timmy or Davion or Jared Butler, but you get my point. Um, they've got they've got just they've got. I mean, I think these these Cavs and Pistons. There, there's no team that I look at right now and I say they should blow it up because every team has a lot of young potential. They have a lot of special talent that could really amount to something one day. I mean, Cade Cunningham, his defensive versatility, his playmaking, 
Like it just, everything just there, it's, it's going to amount to something. I just know it. I, he's, he has a special potential to be a really good player. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, people are going to see a lot more of him at the small ball five this year. Killian Hayes, they're going to move him a little more off the ball considering Cade's coming in. Jeremy Grant, uh, you know, we, we made a little bit of fun for Jer- of Jeremy Grant for taking that money to come there uh, and just kind of like getting like 25 points a game to just get more shots on a bad team. But he's still a good player. He's still really good at defense. You got Sadiq Bey, who is the literal definition of a modern 3 and D wing, who makes sense. Kelly Olenek, uh, who they picked up in free agency. Olenek's a good good player. Uh he can shoot the three ball. He can rebound for you. He has great footwork. Um, and they're, they're one of those teams that I think very reminiscent of what Oklahoma city was last year and what Oklahoma city will again be this year is that they're going to catch some teams off guard. Some nights like teams are going to look at the schedule and say, Oh, look, it's the Pistons. And they're going to be like, Oh, we don't really have to try tonight. That's a W mark it off on our calendar. Now, that's one of those teams that you're going to mess around and you're going to look up in the fourth quarter, and it's a close game. And the Pistons have plenty of guys who are able to execute because Cade is a great decision maker. He's going to set up his guys. He's going to do everything right. Uh, I mean, you got guys like Sadiq Bey out on the perimeter who's going to knock down, and he can actually defend like all hell on the perimeter. And Jeremy Grant, uh, which we've seen lots of offensive improvement from him since he's arrived in Detroit, whether that's just more shots that he gets, but he has definitely improved his three ball. And Killian Hayes, I mean, KOC's guy, I I look forward to seeing what he can become. Uh, He was plagued by injury last season, but the Pistons have a lot of depth as well. So the last team to round out this first episode is going to be the Orlando Magic. So they got rid of Steve Clifford at the end of last season uh, because Clifford was more of a guy who was, he's going to eke out every win that he possibly could uh, by using his veteran guys. He was not going to try to develop the young guys. He was going to use his veteran guys more than anything else. So they brought in Jamal Mosley from the Mavericks, who uh, Lucas guy, the former assistant for uh, Dallas Mavericks. And now he's the head coach of the magic and guys like Steve Clifford. He was just playing Ken Birch at center when Everybody else wanted to see Mobamba at center because Mobamba has a lot of potential. But he put what 32, 33 year old Ken Birch in, and now we're here. But I guess part of the reason they brought took him out was uh, they're finally out of this weird in between space where they think maybe if we just get a couple more pieces, we're a contender. But they got rid of all their guys last season. They got rid of Aaron Gordon. They sent him to Denver. They got, obviously, they got Gary Harris and RJ Hampton in return. They sent Nikola Vucevic to uh, Chicago. They got Wendell Carter Jr. from Duke, who hasn't had a great run in the league, but has looked good in preseason so far. And they sent Evan Fournier to the Celtics. And uh, they kind of just said, okay, well, all the guys that we kind of thought we could maybe build a competitive team around are gone so we might as well uh take the guy out who was coaching them and i mean they drafted they they lucked out in my opinion they they drafted a great player in jalen suggs and then they also got um they also got franz wagner uh with uh one of the lottery picks as well and i mean jalen suggs has got to be everybody's he's going to be a fan favorite for orlando this season i mean just the passion and heart that he plays with we saw it at gonzaga everybody remembers the ucla shot where he's at half court he sinks it he banks it in 9390 ucla wins advances to the nash excuse me gonzaga wins advances to the national championship game and i mean it's uh, he has so much grit and determination and he's going to be a great role model for all these kids who are magic fans out there to look up to. Uh, I mean, he just, he had his moment. He was, he stood up on the table. He said, I wanted my Dwayne Wade moment. He pumped his chest out. He said like, this is, this is my time. Um, and he's just, he's a, he's an amazing player to watch. I mean, he's, 
He's got uh, some work to do on the side of the three. Uh, he he can be a good defensive stopper. I mean, he has athleticism for days. Obviously, he's a guy who played quarterback. You can see it when he jumps the passing lane and uh, he gets a steal. And he kind of just – he has ridiculous passing abilities for someone. And he's actually – I mean, he's a little smaller than most. I mean, but he it's going to translate because I saw the athleticism on display well enough against a team like UCLA and Baylor. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting though. How does Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz plug into this equation? Because Markel was out for all of last season and he looked good at the beginning of last season. And uh, I believe he tore his ACL uh, and I mean, his shot looked good, uh, but Cole Anthony really took a lot of strides for the magic last year as well. So they got this weird, three guard lineup they have to figure out um and i me personally i am one of the few shareholders left on mobamba island so uh last night he finished with 16 points he was six for 10 field goals two for four on three points 10 rebounds five blocks one steal so i don't want to overreact but y'all should invest in some Obama stock because he has looked really good so far this preseason. And I, I think just in it, putting him in a new system, putting him a, around a guy like Suggs, a guy, having a guy like Cole Anthony, uh, obviously we're still anticipating the guys uh, coming back. Like we're anticipating Jonathan Isaac's return from last year who got injured uh, right at the beginning of the bubble. And he's been rehabbing ever since. So he missed all of last season, but I'm going to love to see a potential two-center lineup with a guy like Mobamba and Wendell Carter Jr. And then, you know, you figure it out from there once uh, Jonathan Isaac is slide, slides back into that lineup. And you're going to have Franz Wagner, too, along with his brother Mo. But Franz is, Franz is very talented uh, out of Michigan. Uh, I'm just going to love running these DHOs, and he's going to be able to set some hard ball screens. And it's he's he's got some great feel for the game, and it's it's going to be a dynamic pick-and-roll combination with him and Suggs or him and Anthony. And, I, I mean, he's still got James Ennis, uh, all these all these guys. I mean, R.J. Hampton. I mean, some people I mean, some people thought he was one of the best players in the 2020 draft. R.J. is a special player. Um, all the guys in – uh, Denver seemed to really like him. Uh, this, this just seems like a fun, likable team with guys like Anthony and Suggs and, uh, Hampton and Gary Harris. I mean, we all, we all loved him out of Michigan state. I mean, the kids got hops for days. I mean, he's, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, Chumo Kiki, uh, he, he, st- he never played a game for them his freshman season, but, uh, because they'd kind of just drafted him and said, and we'll, we'll take him eventually. We'll, he'll play for us eventually. But they're one of those teams who's also going to catch some teams off guard because they just have dynamic scoring and playmaking and their big men are good and they, they, they're they going to be a fun team to watch. That wraps up the first episode of the Elon NBA show. I will be back next week uh, breaking down the Western Conference in tiers. Uh, we'll go through all 15 teams in the Western Conference. And uh, then after that, the season will have started by then. So... Yeah. Well, the, the day after. So yeah, uh, 